0: You're listening to The Tarot
1: Diagnosis. We're your hosts. I'm Luna. And I'm Shannon. We're both clinical psychotherapists who trained together at Johns Hopkins. Now we are both in private practice in
0: Tampa, Florida, and in Baltimore, Maryland. We also both happen to have a love for tarot. Each episode, we work to demystify the tarot and explore its connections to mental and emotional health. While this podcast may feel
1: therapeutic, it is not meant to take the place of psychotherapy.
0: Join us while we pull cards to better understand ourselves and those around us. Hey, Shannon. Hey, Luna. So self-acceptance, huh? That's what we're talking about?
1: Yeah, and the shadow self. Yes, which
0: we see so much about
1: on the Instagram. And I'm kind of thinking we should just like pull a card real quick and kind of see where it takes us.
0: I think that that's like exactly how we should start. Yes. All right, let's
1: do it. So I'm using the Jungian Tarot deck today, which I finally just opened a couple of days ago after like being drawn to get it, and it's sitting on my desk for like an entire week. And when I pulled some cards, I was kind of like shocked and like, mm. <laughs> this is not what I was expecting. And I was kind of disappointed, and now I'm realizing as we were talking about preparing for this episode that. This deck totally lends itself to this idea of self acceptance and shadow work because the cards themselves are kind of like inherently like dark and shadowy <laughs> so I'm curious to see what I pull out of this deck today yeah, I'm glad you got that deck
0: because you know I was looking at it, and it's nice to get to see it without having to buy it so yeah it's I'm definitely
1: at it. it's definitely um. It's different. Interesting. Yeah. Yes, different. Yeah. Yeah. I grabbed
0: um my personal deck um which is the Golden Art Nouveau deck. This is the one that I use every morning. So every morning I get up and like make coffee and sit and pull a card and journal as we've talked about before. So that deck lives upstairs and my office is in my basement where all the the multitude of other decks live. But for some reason when I was coming downstairs, I grabbed the deck. So I just, am like, that's the deck I'm going to pull from today. So that's what I'm using.
1: Interesting. Well, And I, I love that deck. It's so beautiful. It's
0: gorgeous. It's like, it's just my favorite. It's so pretty. So you're going to laugh at what I pulled. <laughs> but I want to ask you first, what did you pull?
1: Um, so I pulled three of pentacles. Oh,
0: interesting. All right. and we, This was on the concept of self-acceptance. I think that that is brilliant. I pulled, ready, Two of Swords, which I have said over and over is the classic (laughs) therapy card. Yes. Right. So I think that we're beginning with this idea of wanting to talk about self-acceptance and shadow work and figuring out who the hell you are, because this is really the crux of what we do as therapists. And I think what we're often seeking through tarot is a little bit of self-understanding and self-acceptance. but. Uh, the acceptance goes through the shadows and does require self-understanding. I mean, there's a lot of steps involved in this, and none of them go in order.
1: I think it's important that you said none of them go in order and it's a whole like lifelong process. I don't think it's necessarily something that you'll experience once and then be set for the remainder of your time here on earth. Um, And yeah, the two of swords is perfect to pull for for this. And the three of pentacles in the Jungian deck is all about like reaction to um, like changes, especially like social structures and an ambivalent attitude and uh what i love but like confrontations um especially like regarding like uh confrontations towards like darker things which is perfect for what we're talking about today confronting um our shadow selves and learning how to express them another aspect of the three of pentacles in the youngian deck is this idea of repression um which if you're familiar with Carl Jung's work on the shadow self. He talks a lot about how the shadow self is basically qualities and characteristics that are repressed but tend to be expressed as projection or denial. Complex. Um, Yes. Yeah. So when you hear people say, oh, they have a complex, like they're probably (laughs) actually referring to Young's idea of the shadow self. So two really interesting cards to pull for today's episode, for sure. And I think it's important to acknowledge, um, our dark side or our shadow self or, you know, our flaws or our weaknesses. Um, because without that, um, we are denying an important part of ourselves and we're essentially, um, not whole, you know, there's this idea that, um, you know, we can't exist with just, you know, one side of ourselves. And I think that's really true. And Luna, you have said something a few times throughout this podcast about like the parents role specifically, Mm -hmm. um, in developing an awareness of our strengths and our weaknesses. And I think talking about the shadow self lends itself to that concept as well, because without acknowledging our strengths and our weaknesses, um, we're, we're only accessing one part of ourselves and, and denying the rest. I think that's it.
0: Yes, 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 yes. All of that. I want to talk about the parent stuff in it. Like I just want to put it on hold for a second because I'm really obsessed with these cards right now. Um, so I'll get back to it, but um, can I just kind of begin with how beautiful the cards that we just pulled are and, and how it just happened to be lucky that we named them in the order that we named them. Two of Swords is this woman blindfolded with two swords crossing, and it's really about being stuck in your own head and having an idea of this or an idea of that. And I think that when we're thinking about ourselves, a lot of times people will sort of battle. I'm good. I'm bad. Like, I'm I'm smart. I'm an idiot. I can be kind. I'm a total asshole. Like, we Mm. sort of do this internal thing back and forth and often are sort of not sure of the reality of who we are. Or we hunker down in a false reality, in a personality that we think we want to be without looking at the shadow. But then when we go into the world, when it's time to like work with other people, hello, three of principles. Yeah,
1: I was just about to say (laughs) that.
0: (laughs) Right, that's when sometimes who we are gets challenged. And here's the part where it gets really complicated. Sometimes our false notions of ourselves, of sort of like, oh, I'm really considerate. Sometimes that gets challenged because like maybe you're not quite as considerate as you think you are because you're like sort of thinking about it from your perspective. But also there are people in the world who will tell you false things about yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard to learn how to parse out. This is constructive criticism that is here to help and guide me. And this is somebody who's fucking with me.
1: I have so much to say about that. Yeah. (laughs) And it, it brings up like, probably like five things I want to hit on. Um, first, okay. I have something to say about you talking about like friends and, um, or just like other people in the world who won't totally like be honest with yourself. And I feel like that's why, that's why therapists and your relationship you have with your therapist is so important because, Mm -hmm. you know, therapists aren't going to, if you have a good therapist, they're not gonna be dishonest with you. Like they're totally gonna like call you on your shit, but like also be, you know, kind and comforting. So mm-hmm. like and depending on their theoretical orientation and personality, like they're they're gonna definitely like shine a light on your shadow self, but like allow you to explore it in a safe place. Yes. Um you know, so like <laughs> your your therapist is gonna be able to say, you know, you're Constantly doing XYZ because of ABC, but your friend is going to look at you and say, like, oh, yeah, like, you know, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not necessarily helpful, but that's why the relationship with your therapist is so important because you're in this space that will allow you to, like, see yourself in a really real light that you're not able to necessarily see with other people, just like in the real world. (laughs) Right. Right.
0: And that's why, you know, frankly, that's why we have a job because (laughs) like we need people like this who can sort of be like, hey, let me look at you and tell you like honestly and helpfully like what I see. It doesn't have to be a therapist. I mean, this goes back to the idea of parents. Like if, if you've received some really good parenting, that need is lessened. I wouldn't say like gone, but like lessened because the role of the parent is to let kids know, oh, hey, do you know that like that you're like super gifted in this way. And do you know that you kind of suck at this? And like, that's the job of giving kind of both types of feedback. But I mean, I, if you don't receive it from your parents, you can receive it from a therapist, or you can have an amazing friend, or you can have a great mentor. I've had two amazing mentors who helped me so much in my life, who really like did this, who pointed out like, Luna, do you know that you're terrible at following directions? (laughs) Like, I did not actually know that like, if you give me written directions, I will likely not follow them. Okay. But it was said with such love and devotion from a a boss who would frequently say, Luna is my right hand man. Like she, like I turn to her for guidance all the time, which is true. So I could accept the, and you suck at following directions.
1: Yes.
0: I didn't realize I was going to tell that story, but there it was.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, part of, you know, what we do as therapists, or at least what I do is teaching people how to reparent themselves Mm -hmm. too. But I also encourage them to find other wiser people, Mm -hmm. like just like, you know, your example, who can help them see themselves in a way that they don't see themselves, but because they've fostered and developed this relationship that is trusting and full of compassion, you can hear that feedback without immediately like throwing up defenses. Right. Um, You know, so cultivating these relationships with people who, you know, encourage and value growth are so important because, you know, if you find yourself just hanging around like a crowd of like, yes, people, and -hmm. they're just like following, you know, a leader or, you know, they're just like telling you what you want to hear, you're going nowhere fast. Um, and in terms of like self-development and self-acceptance, like you're, you're just going to like stay stagnant. So I think it's definitely important to take a look at like who you're surrounding yourself with and in what ways do the people who you're surrounding yourself with encourage you in what ways do they challenge you? Um, and if you're finding like the answers to those questions, being like hard to hard to find, then it's time to say, okay, how can I look for or invite people into my life who, who value self growth and acceptance and are not afraid to shine lights on areas of ourselves that, um, need some work. Um, because like you, I definitely have like older people in my life or wiser people or mentor type people who have, um, been able to do that. But because of the trusting relationship we've had, um, I've been able to take that feedback and say, and, and appreciate it and welcome it. And now I totally <laughs> embrace these parts of myself. And it's funny. Cause when we first started doing this podcast, um, know, mm-hmm. I think I even like made you uncomfortable with just how like, <laughs> I was like, listen, these are all my flaws. <laughs> I'm laying it all out on the table this is what you're gonna have to deal with this is who I am I'm aware of it I'm working on it but um if it gets in the way and I'm not aware of it in the moment please call me on my shit (laughs) um (laughs) but I trust you so much that you know when you do eventually call me on my shit I'll be able to say "Mm, yeah you're right doing that thing should probably Mm -hmm. um sit with that for a little bit and and take some time uh to to explore it I'm so glad that you just brought up us Because this is sort of becoming (laughs) something that I've said
0: to you before, like both on the podcast and off the podcast, like, I think it is important for us to occasionally discuss our relationship, because I think it's a good role model, like that three of pentacles is really like, this is what we're talking about, about how three of pentacles can really show up and help you with your personal development, because being able to work with you and being able to show you some of the parts of me that I'm like, ooh, I don't like people knowing this part here, can you deal with this? is extraordinarily helpful, as it is for you. I mean, and us being able to work together is a form of personal growth. And I think it's really good for people to hear that and to take that into the world. Because if you're inside your head with two of swords all the time, take it in the world and give it a trial. But also, don't let people fuck with you.
1: Oh, for sure. And, you know, you talking about the three of pentacles again and how it relates to our relationship reminds me of um, something that Terry Real says. So Terry Real is a, a therapist. He's written um, several books. I, I'll put them in the show notes. I can't remember them off the top of my head but he has this um this idea that uh, there's such a good quote I need to find it but basically that self esteem is our ability to see ourselves as flawed individuals but still hold ourselves in like high regard oh, and lovely. I think yeah I think yeah. it's exactly um the whole point of being able to do shadow work because it's being able to acknowledge that these aspects of ourselves exist um, and able to acknowledge that we're going to fuck up and not acknowledging that we have these shadow sides and acknowledging that we're going to like screw things up, but not beat ourselves up for like the rest of the day or punish ourselves Mm -hmm. to the point of no return, um, is like the inherent definition of self-acceptance and self-love. Um, you know, it's essentially acknowledging that we are afraid of doing something. We're afraid of failing at something, but doing the thing anyways, like you, usually say. Um, and you know, being okay with the fact that we're going to fail at something at some point anyway, but not allowing ourselves to just like swim in that pool of failure or swim in that pool of like self-deprecation because we've screwed up or made a mistake or we're not perfect at something, which that kind of brings me to the notion that, you know, we can't love someone until we love ourselves, which, I call bullshit on. Right. right. <laughs> um, because self love and acceptance is acknowledging the same thing I was just saying that we can feel unlovable, we can feel like we're gonna fail at something, but still allowing someone else to love us or to show us that we still can be loved, even if we feel like we can't.
0: So I think that I'm just thinking about what somebody like what some of my clients would say, if they were listening to this conversation. And I mean, like, We made an interesting choice today to say, like, let's just pull cards as we go and sort of see what comes up. And so that's where it started. Like, the card started us with this, like, wonderful gift of the three of pentacles. And so we started talking about this idea of, like, other people being a guide. But I think that what I see with clients often is the, okay, I understand that I'm supposed to accept myself or love myself or whatever. But like, I really don't even know where to begin with that. And Mm -hmm. I think that that sort of is our next question of, okay, so like, yes, 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 it would be great to have a mentor or yes, 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 like having people around me who can support me. But what do I do if I really um, am filled with a sense of self-loathing, which, you know, we see, or if I really genuinely don't even know how to think about myself, which I also see
1: maybe we should, what do you think about that I think that's a beautiful question and I want to pull a card on it I do
0: too that was where okay. I was going I was like let's pull." yes
1: yay all right cool all right what you got um king of pentacles
0: oh interesting I got pentacles too I got seven oh, of pentacles
1: no way that... lots of pentacles today yeah that's interesting I have a few things to say about King of Pentacles. Good. What I'm glad you say- do. Why okay. don't <laughs> <laughs> you start with that? I'm going to meditate on this one for okay. a minute. So in the Jungian deck, um, the King of Pentacles represents this independent, assertive, tireless, strong, and uh, uncompromising being. And I'm literally like reading verbatim from the little uh, book that it comes with. Um, But something that I I actually enjoy about the depiction of the King of Pentacles in in this particular deck is that um, (laughs) they say it may be a powerful executive in a large company willing to listen, but but egocentric and demanding (laughs) always (laughs) believes he's right, makes strict demands on others has integrity, but maybe ruthless and cruel if cornered. Um, So again, that's why this, I think this deck kind of lends itself to shadow work because there's so many cards in here where it's, you know, here are the dark sides or the shadow sides of this card and the dark sides and shadow sides that also may be, um, present within you. So it gives you an opportunity to read these cards and say, how does that relate to me in ways that maybe I wasn't willing to acknowledge.
0: So interesting. It seems like that deck, like there's no point in doing reverse cards with that deck.
1: Yeah, and I don't think it's meant to, and I don't ever plan to do reverse cards with this deck. Yeah, just, yeah <laughs> there's really no point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're all a little bit reversed.
0: That is interesting. All right, so like, if I'm going to link that to the idea of pen, like I am drawn to the idea that we're getting all these pentacles, um, and I think that that's not a mistake. I think that that's because our job as humans is to be human. Mm-hmm. It's not, I mean, I think some people would argue that it's our job as humans to transcend. And like, I get that, but also like the only way to do that, the only way around that is through it. We yes. have to actually master being humans first before we could get to this place of transcendent. And so I think that means like quite literally doing the work. And that's what Seven of Pentacles is about, sort of like the the grind of it, sort of the long-term look of taking the time to be like, Ugh, okay, I will keep just keeping the investment of my investing in myself and doing self reflection, and taking the time to think about how I am in the world over and over and over every damn day.
1: It's so interesting hearing you talk about the seven of pentacles from a traditional standpoint, because I'm, I'm reading the Jungian deck uh-huh. <laughs> um, description. And I there's a lot of similarities for this one. But something that stuck out the most was when you said, you know, I need to continue focusing on myself. So in this deck, the seven of pentacles talks about how you do put family and friends secondary, and that maybe relationships are going to be delayed and friendships destroyed. Mm. So it's almost looking at that as when you put all the focus on yourself, you're neglecting these other relationships and actually experiencing like a negative, oh. like negative repercussions because of it, which is interesting because I think, you know, going back to what we were saying a moment ago, how having other people in your life, especially those willing to kind of gently explore, the shadow side with you could be really important because if you the lens through which we see ourselves is so different from the lens through which other people see us so getting feedback from other people is really important so if you are just focusing on yourself and not inviting people in in certain ways like i don't know a therapist for example um you are missing out i'm just really
0: struck by how much the conversation we're having right now does sort of feel therapy-ish. Yeah. Because, like, this is what happens when you get in the weeds with somebody, is that somebody will sort of, like, tell a story. And so, like, the version of telling a story is just this card. So, like, somebody presents this card, Seven of Pentacles, and they're like, it means this. And, of course, what they're saying of it means this is, like, not incorrect. But there's also more. And then it's the therapist's job to say, you know, it could also
1: mean this. Yeah, exactly.
0: And that's where that, um, having other people to bounce it off is really important. And you're right. I mean, like this also tells you a little bit like glimpse into Luna's mind about like how I have a value around doing the work, but also this card can be read as you've burnt yourself out.
1: Oh, very true. But it's not where I
0: went, you know, like I told the story the way I wanted to tell the story. That's what we do in therapy too.
1: And this is a beautiful representation of how tarot allows us to explore these different thought processes and these different, um, like feelings and experiences, because you saying, Oh, maybe I've burnt myself out. I would take that and say, yeah, maybe it's an indication that you need a little extra help. Now it's time to call that therapist. You've been like researching for the past two months, which Mm -hmm. funny that actually just happened to me the other day. Someone had reached out and said, you know, I've been meaning to reach out to you for like three months now, and I'm finally doing it. So I would love to see you. I think you'd be a great fit for me. Oh, that's so <laughs> and, sweet. and it's like, yeah, like, I think we can all get ourselves to just a certain point. Um, but there's no shame in saying I can't get to this next point unless I have someone or something else. Yeah. Um, whether, you know, it's tarot or a therapist, um, or both ideally, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it'll help you get there. But I kind of want to take a minute to even go backwards a little and, explain how the shadow self and this idea of self-acceptance even came to be about from like a psychological perspective sure let's do that so if we go back to all the way back to Sigmund Freud um you know he has this he had, had this theory um that described three various aspects of our our psyche um, and I have a funny story about this. So he described the id the ego and the super ego. Mm-hmm. and I have some like mild trauma around this because <laughs> oh dear. I know when I started uh, under my undergraduate degree and I was majoring in psychology, they threw like I don't know why this class was like intro level psych, but one of my psych classes was basically um a continual like dissertation defense on, Freud and like the Id, the ego and the super ego. Oh, wow. And I was just sitting there, my little like 18 year old self just like totally in over my head. I had literally no idea what they were talking about. It was like a foreign language. I was like, I don't understand what is the Id, the ego and the super ego. <laughs> like, these are all so weird. Um, but you know, fast forward to, you know, years later in grad school, it makes sense. So, um, The id, the ego, and the superego are also very similar to Carl Jung's um, version of the shadow self, which I'll get into in a second. But um, basically, the best way I've remembered the id, the ego, and the superego is through the Venn diagram of the DBT concept of the wise mind. So in DBT, we have the emotional brain, which is one side, the logical brain, which is the other, and then the wise mind's in the middle. Um, So the id would be considered the emotional brain because it basically represents this like primal, like instinctual desire that we have or desires that we have. The superego is the logical brain. So that would be on the other, that would be the other circle of the Venn diagram, because it represents like this, like internal, like kind of moral and logical compass that we have. And then the ego is representative of the wise mind. And that's in the center where there's this overlap because it acts as this like organizer slash mediator of the id, the Id and the superego. Um, so, you know, if we fast forward a little bit to, um, I think it was the early 1900s when Carl Jung and Freud kind of split because they were studying together and researching and, and doing a lot of work together. Um, Jung had to create, uh, and coin a term for himself on this, this concept. And so he created the, the shadow, the shadow self. And he believed that the shadow self was this like holding space of qualities and characteristics, like I said earlier, um, that we tend to repress and something that's interesting though. And we hear this word a lot is he believed that qualities or aspects of our shadow self actually come out at some point in the way of like projection. So when you hear people talk about like, Oh, like she's projecting again, that's this, that's Jung's shadow self. That's someone saying, there is something that that person's experiencing internally that they're then putting onto someone else or blaming someone else for, for having or doing or experiencing. Um, So that is kind of like a very quick uh, psych 101 slash shadow self 101 on how this concept was even developed. And um, I think it's really cool that within both the psychology, mental health community and tarot community that these theories um, are still very much alive and explored pretty regularly. Yeah, I think that
0: I'm actually really interested right now in the idea of how much, I mean, I sort of alluded to it briefly at the very beginning of this episode, how much people are sort of talking about and throwing around the idea of shadow self a lot. It seems to be intriguing because um, I I don't know, I see it on Instagram a lot. I think that people are curious about it and are sort of curious, um, as we've talked about before about it perhaps being unknown or having parts of ourselves that are hidden from ourselves and being a little scared of that but also a little enticed by it yes in a way it's like oddly egotistical isn't it like oh what are my secrets which (laughs) is just kind of an interesting um I don't know reaction that we're seeing and I think that One of the best pieces of advice I ever got around shadow work was not necessarily about projection or it is projection, but it was just a different exercise of noticing how you're judging other people because we all judge people all day long. I mean, totally. And whatever it is that you are feeling judgmental about the other people about, that is maybe a reflection of a part of yourself that you don't want to deal with. So Mm -hmm. like one thing that we see a lot is sort of like somebody being like, oh, they're so stupid. Well, okay. so what do you doubt about your own thinking skills in saying that? (laughs) Yes. And, you know, like you might not even be aware of it. You might think you're so smart and you're completely avoiding the fact that you have gaping holes or that you lack an ability to have flexibility in your thinking. And instead of managing it, you just put it on other people.
1: It reminds me of a quote that Carl Jung actually says, um, and it's everything that irritates us about others can also lead to us to an understanding of ourselves (laughs) So, so right on.
0: Right. That's that's total shadow work. Okay. And so then like, so this is where um, we begin with Freud and Jung and Adler and this sort of way of thinking, which is super helpful and was like radical. Like you have to remember like to us, this is like how we talk like we're like oh yeah projection blah blah, blah defense mechanisms. but like <laughs> but back then <laughs> no like this was not something this was like new and like amazing that these human beings came up with this and started talking about it it's incredible the um the field of psychotherapy changed in the like the 1970s with carl rogers who showed up with this idea of person-centered work which also like um leads into education. Education became sort of person-centered, this idea of like saying, we don't teach math, we teach children, which is like an interesting (laughs) and helpful way of thinking about it. And also please teach math. So because it's also important. Uh, But Carl Rogers started with this idea of if you think about like old school pictures of what psychotherapy used to look like it was somebody lying on a couch with like an old guy taking notes sitting behind them that was the way Freud did it was that he wouldn't actually face the person because he wanted the person to be able to like free associate without reacting to them personally Carl Rogers was the one who turned it around and was like no we're going to actually be face to face and we're going to mm-hmm. have a person to person relationship and he was like charismatic and brilliant and so loving of a human being and really taught people and therapists to be profoundly loving and accepting. And please tell me more. And I'm really curious about your experience in this world. And yes, like that is such an interesting point you've made, which I think adds a lot to our field. But I think that sometimes we lean a little bit too much into Please tell me more. I recently started with a client who thanked me the other day for not just saying, mm, mm-hmm, that sounds like that was hard. Like because yes, I actually I get that him, all the
1: time. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Who wants to? like, mm-mm? Mm-hmm, yeah, that was really brave of you. Mm-mm. It's better <laughs> if you can also challenge. Yes. And finding that balance, that dynamic of being profoundly loving and accepting and offering unconditional positive regard while also saying, Do you know you do this thing? <laughs>
1: You know, I was thinking, you know, when we were prepping for this episode and you were talking about, um, the Gloria videos, which we should talk about and, and share. Um, and I was going back and like thinking about, you know, that experience in school, I realized as a therapist, I have taken parts of all of these like major, like theoretical orientations that were created, you know, 100 plus years ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I embody literally all of them. And it's so cool to see these these people again, and watch them work from like, from one area, but then realize, Oh, I do that. And I do that because I'm thinking of like Rogers, mm-hmm. I definitely like, embody a lot of what he has to offer. Like there's, um, you know, base, uh, Rogers is very like reflective. So he'll say things like, you know, Oh, I wonder if and then say something that, is basically validating someone's concern where like, you know, uh, Fritz pearls will will call you on your shit. And that's exactly (laughs) how I am, which I love. So like, you know, there's a point in, uh, which we should, you should explain the videos, but there's a point in this therapy session, um, with this, client where, where fritz pearl says you know you say you're scared but you're smiling and i loved that because yeah. i was like oh that's me <laughs> i will totally <laughs> like call, look at a client and say the same thing like Oh, you you, um, say that you're not nervous about this thing you're about to do, but um, you you can't stop moving your leg or Mm -hmm. you're biting your nails. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And I think it's really important to be able to, you know, acknowledge both both of those things. But also, I think this is important to talk about because you also have to click with your therapist. So if some sort of approach doesn't work for you, um, you're allowed to say, oh, I don't like that. I'm going to go to someone else. But I do think it's important to say, well, or reflect on why am I not liking this approach? Is it because I'm not wanting to be challenged? Um, but this is also another good example of why um, your friends are, can't be your therapist and why your therapist can't be your friend. <laughs> because <laughs> like, <laughs> we're going to call you on your shit and your friends probably aren't. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Let's just describe the videos real quick just because like we're
0: referencing them and people might be like what are you like I would imagine most people are. So there's a set of videos with this woman whose name was Gloria and it was made uh 1960s. And it was very cool. She sat down with three um like rock star therapists of the day and she sat with them each for I think a half an hour. So she sat with Rogers um who is this person-centered guy and Fritz Pearl, who is the father of gestalt therapy and albert ellis who is cbt yes am i right on that
1: ellis uh developed rational emotive behavior therapy REBT, yes. yeah yes. Yes. which is a form of cognitive therapy
0: and i have to admit i was looking at the other night and i didn't have time to watch them all i really don't remember the third one i remember <laughs> the rogers and the fitzpearl one because roger was so like loving he's like Come oh, in, I'm so glad to see you. Like, so like sweet. And Fritz like tore her a new one. And I remember coming out of the graduate class where we watched this, and everyone being like, oh my God, that was so upsetting to watch that like really combative therapy session. <laughs> but then I heard that afterwards Gloria was interviewed and she said that she got the very most from the Gestalt one, where she mm-hmm. was challenged over and over. But she ended up maintaining a lifelong re- relationship with Carl Rogers.
1: Oh, I don't remember that. That's fascinating. And uh, it's interesting that she ended up going with Rogers, but got like the most out of the gestalt. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's, I mean, like it echoes Tarot, doesn't it? Like that's where like we find oh, for Tarot sure. interesting because like Tarot will sometimes just tell it like it is. It's like, yeah, no, that's like, you got the <laughs> devil card today. Sorry. You got to stop thinking yeah. about that. I mean, and That confrontation is sometimes what we need,
1: but not always. And I think, too, it also depends on, like, the tarot deck. Okay, so on our Instagram page where you can choose, like, explore, meet us, or, you know, our little disclaimer underneath our our profile, um, there's a nifty little like graphic thing, whatever they're called <laughs> that you can <laughs> share to your story, but it's basically like your go-to decks based on your mood or needs. And I think this is what we're talking about in terms of like tarot because different decks, um, lend themselves to different aspects of what we're trying to talk about or explore. Like, like this Jungian deck, this is not a deck I would use every day because it would literally cause me a ton of depression <laughs> and anxiety <laughs> and just like self-loathing. <laughs> like, yeah. This is not a deck that, You, this is not a go to deck. This is not a daily pool deck. This is something where you're like, I'm gonna do shadow work once a week for like maybe a half hour, Mm -hmm. and I'm gonna sit and I'm gonna reflect. But, you know, other decks like my Field Tarot deck or my Antique Anatomy deck or my Green Witch, like all of these, or just like the traditional Rider Waite, like those are things that you can use like every day. But, um, you know, if you're feeling more playful, I like when I'm feeling more energetic and playful, I totally grab my Mystic Mondays deck because mm-hmm. I'm feeling light. But if I'm feeling, I don't know, more sad and reflective that day, maybe I'll grab my Green Witch deck because I know that it's going to like give me something that I need or the opposite I'll challenge myself and say well I'm feeling sad today Um, I'm not going to go to my young Ian deck I'm going to go to my or my mystical Monday's deck or mystic Monday's deck um, because I know that decks the images are going to make me happy it's going to lift my mood it's going to give me a different perspective and maybe reframe things for me so yeah like tarot can be really helpful in this regard too
0: can we go, can we bounce on a second for the, the idea of like knowing what it is that I need? Because I feel like I see that with clients a lot. Because I think what you just described is exactly right. Like I have, I have a full ability to have acceptance of myself, of being able to say like, yeah, I don't want to use that deck today. I'm yeah. going to use, um, I'm going to do shout outs for Everyday Witch, which is so cute and fun. And like, it's adorable. Like, it's so right on. <laughs> and I'm like, yay, look at that happy little guy. Like, And some days not, but I feel really comfortable like sort of allowing that for myself. And I think a lot of people struggle with the idea of I don't even know how to take care of myself. And I don't know if this is like the people will say all the time, like, it's bad. I know it's bad. And I'm like, I don't know Mm -hmm. if it's bad if you sat on your ass and watched Netflix all weekend. Like, yeah, I mean, like, sometimes it's bad. And sometimes it's exactly what you need. But I think that people have a hard time even being able to interpret and make a decision around what they need
1: because I think that goes back to not trusting yourself. Correct. I think there's so much lack of trust in ourselves and we're not ever given permission. I mean, mm-hmm. this goes back to something that we talked when we were talking about the intersection of toxic positivity. Um, you know, we, there's this idea that we're not giving ourselves permission and permission to feel permission to, um, explore different sides of ourself, explore our happiness, explore our sadness. Um, and I think think facing our shadow self and exploring this idea of self-acceptance kind of goes against everything that like society and social media has like Mm. conditioned it to like conditioned us to be if you think about it because like the the highlight reel that is social media is you, you know you have to be 100% amazing all the time you can't share like anything negative which actually shout out to my sister-in-law Sydney she listened to that episode and she was like "Um, actually what I see is we're not allowed to explore this side of ourselves because then we're immediately unfollowed we're cancelled people are telling us to like lighten up people don't there's this fear associated with accepting the negative or dark sides of ourselves, and I think that perpetuates this idea You know, when people come into therapy, like, oh, it's bad or it's this or it's that. And it's like, like you said, no, it's not necessarily bad. It just is. And let's explore that. What does that mean for you is, you know, what's what's happening. So I think once we get to this point where as a society, we remove the guilt and shame around being humans and having more emotions than just happy or sad and having so many different sides of ourself, um, then we'll get to this point where um, we can freely acknowledge and uh, just like lift the veil and not be like shrouded in in shame.
0: You know, this just like brought up for me one of my very favorite therapy questions, which is made famous by Dr. Phil, uh, which like kind of wrecks so it in God, away, but, that's um, funny. but it comes directly from this wonderful um, framework called choice therapy. And the question oh, yeah. is, how is that working for you? And oh, I love that question. It's a great question, you know, like, because like that statement that people make, like, oh, it's bad or oh like wanting to share something negative on Instagram, like, okay, how does it work for you? Was it a really, because sharing something negative on Instagram, maybe it actually goes really well, or maybe it doesn't. How did it work for you? And I think that people have a very hard time answering that question or knowing what to do when the answer is, oh, that is not working for me. And I don't know how to change
1: it. You know, that brings up the idea that we're also conditioned to not be authentic, right? Right. And there's this fear that if we are authentically ourselves, we'll be, um, not, well, we, we won't be accepted by others. So then it becomes almost impossible to accept ourselves, you know? And I think that's where a lot of the anxiety that we see comes from, like with our clients or with ourselves. I know personally, I have so much less anxiety now that I've embraced like this type of work. And it's, it's Mm -hmm. not something that happens overnight. I think it's important to say that like, this is years of work and it's an ongoing process, but when once I became able to embrace and acknowledge and just like point out the sides of myself that are like the dark sides or the shadow sides, it totally changed the way I exist in my relationships. Like, you know, my platonic relationships, my romantic relationships with in my career and just the way I interact with strangers. Mm -hmm, It's been mm -hmm, so freeing. mm -hmm. And I think, you know, the root of of anxiety is totally related to a level of insecurity about being inauthentic or about being like figure out or seen in some sort of like unfavorable light. And the whole concept of like our shadow self is the fact that it's relatively unfavorable. Like no one's going to be like, "Oh yeah. Like, you know, you're, you're self-centered and very controlling high five. Like they are going to be like, Ooh, I don't want to be around you. Um, but once you're able to view yourself in that unfavorable light, it takes the power away, um, from any like fear that, that, that you have or the power, um, that someone else may have over you because they're going to like view you negatively, which this goes back to the whole point of like the integration with the shadow, the self, which is something yes. that yeah, young talks about. So once we acknowledge that, um, and we fully embrace it we, and we become integrated, it doesn't go away. It's just there, but it doesn't necessarily dictate, um, unhealthy behavioral patterns as much as it would have before we acknowledged it.
0: That's exactly right. Like, that's the word that I kept thinking is integration. This is all about like, not like, oh, that there are these shitty parts of me and I'm just trying to accept it. It's like, oh, understanding that this is an aspect of myself that can come out. So like this, um, when I'm working with clients who are sort of struggling with this, like, I don't even know like what I want or I don't even know who I am or I don't even know how to think about myself is I send them out into the world and I'm like, go and do like, you know, an online quiz. And the things that I tell people to do, I'm like, and I say, it doesn't matter which one you do. Here are the ones that I think are helpful. And so I send people to take the online Myers-Briggs. There's a site that's called like 16 types that I usually Mm -hmm. send people to. Or I tell people to go and look at the enneagram, or I tell people to go and do their full chart with like their their astrological chart. Not because I think that any and like these are varying degrees. Like Myers Briggs is based on the work of Carl Jung, and it is like very well researched. The one you take online is not the full test. Just know it's like a watered down version and it's not (laughs) word of God. Um, and like people will sometimes take it and then take it later and get a different result. Not because their personality type changed, but because like the results are skewed. Um, so 16 types is that way. Enneagram is no science at all, but like really interesting and astrology, you know, like you pick or choose like what you believe in. But I think in any of these, the reason I tell people to go and take it is because you start to get a map of a way of talking about yourself. And it includes what it looks like when you're feeling unhealthy or when you're behaving in ways that are like not as pretty, but also when what it looks like when you're at your best. Like, my favorite of this was I'm actually like really drawn to Enneagram because for me, this one showed up. In the Enneagram, there's nine different types. And I should say it's spelt really weird. It's like E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. I may have said that wrong, but.
1: No, I think you got it actually. It always trips me up, but I think you got it.
0: (laughs) If you Google it, it'll come up. Um, There's nine different personality types. And um, I am a type two, which is called the helper. It was very freeing for me to read about the helper because there is a message in our world that um, it's wrong to be a people pleaser. But I Mm. mean, I am though. I'm a helper. This is how I am in the world. I spend my days trying to help people. And when I am done with work, I go upstairs to my family and I help them. I mean, like, I'm really into being helpful to people. That doesn't make me toxic, but there is a way in which there can be a shadow there. There is a way in which I can sort of get lost or there is a way in which I can sort of build up a type of resentment if I don't take care of myself. It's not any one of these things, it's where are you on the spectrum of these things? Are you becoming a controlling person who's resentful and punishes people for not being thankful for the help? Or are you in a place where you're taking care of yourself and also taking care of others?
1: Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. That's a beautiful representation of being able to acknowledge and see a part of you that maybe comes across as like this inherently like positive thing, right. Uh-huh. But could also potentially lead to um, difficulties later on. And I, I love that you brought up the idea of you being, I just love that example. Cause it actually reminds me of when I first started really, really kind of like unwrapping this idea that, oh, hold on, there are parts of us and reasons that we're doing things in like an unhealthy way mm-hmm. or things that I need to rephrase that. <laughs> there are um like reasons behind we do certain things that are unhealthy. And I in grad school we, I don't, I don't know if you remember this, but I think it was in one of our very inter- first introductory courses. And we had to write a paper about the unhealthy reasons we wanted to be a therapist. Do you remember that? I don't remember. that,
0: <laughs> but, but it
1: cool was. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Because it's like, it reminds me of what you're saying. Cause it's yeah. like, let's talk, yeah. let's unwrap all the like Absolutely. unhealthy reasons. You are a helper. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I just remember everyone being so uncomfortable mm-hmm. and I just remember looking around the room and like everyone was, getting really tense. And I'm just like, I got so excited for some reason, which, you know, is kind of weird, because I had just spoken about in a previous episode having like imposter syndrome in grad school. But I just remember like feeling like I was sitting on the edge of my seat, just like ready to take off and just like type type of dissertation, because I knew I already knew like exactly what the unhealthy reasons were for me. Um, And yeah, I don't know, it was just a really cool exercise. And I was almost like shocked that they would ask that because I think that was the first time someone had given me permission to explore that it was certainly something I was aware of that was inside of me that just like stayed inside of me. And I think that's where you know, a lot of shame builds up and self-acceptance becomes so difficult because we are constantly told to be like, hush, hush, like, oh, don't share that. Or, you know, you are maybe you're with your family and you're going to like, I don't some, like some sort of gathering, like Thanksgiving dinner or whatever. And they're like, don't tell them that you're struggling in school. Just say you're doing great and tell them about that soccer goal that you made last week, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like only talk about the positive things. And so, um, when they're, when you're struggling internally with certain things, like then there's this like shame that gets developed. Like I'm not allowed to tell people about this when, or I'm not even allowed to like really think about it myself. So that assignment was so freeing in a way. And I think that's probably where the ball got rolling with me being able to say, yep, this is the reason why I do this. And this is the reason why I do that. And, um, now I have so much less anxiety because I can acknowledge it and it's there and I can kind of keep it in check. So, um, you know, I think for people who are listening, when it comes to self-acceptance, essentially what Luna and I are saying is, totally like pull back those layers and look at the unhealthy reasons why you do things, look at what the driving force is behind some of the behaviors that you have, write them down, reflect on them, pull some cards on them. Um, and just like sit and know like, okay, they're there. What can I learn from this? How can I learn about myself from, from knowing this now? Okay. I have two things to say. The
0: Go first one, I, like I've got my list. Okay. <laughs> the first one is that assignment is brilliant and it's such a good one and everybody should have to do it. Um, yeah. But I think that one of the reasons why it's so good is because of the experience, not just of you writing the paper, but the experience of you watching the other people struggle. That's the place where yes. you're free, right? And that gets yeah. back to that three of pentacles moment of like realizing like, oh, nobody wants to admit this, yes. but like, okay, everyone, oh, this is normal. The, oh, everybody is having the exact same experience of being really deeply uncomfortable with this question. Oh, okay. Then it's normal that I am too. Maybe I should be a little bit less ashamed. That's, I love that it was done in community.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah.
0: And that, um, and our program was so great. Cause you know that like, we all talked about it. <laughs> You're talking a lot about this idea of like accepting our shadow or sort of the parts of us that are like vaguely shitty, but like, I, I think that there's more here because I think that the other thing is that we also don't know how to speak positively about ourselves. And we mm-hmm. don't know how to even like name, like, I think actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I might push and kind of say, like, actually, I think a lot of people are very quick to being able to say their flaws and their weaknesses. And the struggle is being able to say, this is actually a way in which I have a superpower. This is actually a way in which I have a gift or bring something into the world. And what I find is often the two are connected. Often like the, um, how do I want to say that? Like the kid who is like always acting up in school grows up to be a really dynamic leader of like a large company because they just like have so much energy in them and so many things to say that they just don't fit in the classroom. It's the same quality. In one place, it's maladaptive. In one place, it's like rocket ship. And it's our job as individuals and as therapists to help each other and to help ourselves figure out where it is that the thing that we look at as a flaw actually becomes our best quality.
1: So much to say about that too. And I think when you had mentioned oh people are so quick to acknowledge their flaws but not as quick to acknowledge their um their strengths or these positive qualities, at least what I'm seeing is sure there is like a level of of ease when it comes to maybe uh, being harsh or critical to yourself, for sure. But I don't see people as emphatically embracing their positives. Mm-hmm. I think what I see is, oh yeah, I did that thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Thanks. Like, and and then we'll see. Oh my god, I fucking did that thing and this, and it's horrible, mm-hmm. and I'm a shitty person. So. But we don't, you're right. We don't hear people say, yeah, I did that thing and I worked really fucking hard and I'm so proud of myself. So we're very dismissive of the positive, even though it's a little bit easier for us to, um, you know, we're dismissive of the positive, but we still kind of like acknowledge it but when it comes to the critical negative we definitely spend more time kind of drowning or, yes. or stewing in the muddiness but we also don't and I think this is where I'm going we don't acknowledge the negative in a positive light either so that's something mm-hmm. that I really try to pull out of my clients and myself too is like okay here are these weaknesses or these you know quote unquote negatives that you have um how can we use them to your advantage how can we use them to like um, allow you to like further yourself in whatever you're doing. So I think another example here is like the relationship you and I have, there are plenty of like weaknesses that I have that are your strengths that we just like totally openly explore with each other. And yeah. And I think it's been really great because we don't, we don't sit there and say, Oh, I'm terrible with this and this and this. We say, yeah, this is so like, not an area where like I, I thrive, but if you send me over here, hell yeah, I'm going to like, just like run a mile with it. Um, so, and I think that's where I really want to see my clients get to. And just like, just as a human (laughs) population, I want everyone to be able to sit and talk about these things openly without shame, without shame of like acknowledging the things you're happy and proud of, but also without shame of acknowledging the things that you're not that great at. So I have a fun thought. Why don't we just real quick to wrap up the episode?
0: Why don't we pull one more card that's based on how can we think of ourselves in a more positive light or celebrate our positivity?
1: Yes, let's go for it. Also, this will be a challenge because I'm using the Onion deck. So oh. <laughs> Do you want to switch decks my, real quick? <laughs> no, I'm going to challenge myself. I'm going to see if I can reframe one of these cards. Oh, that's a good challenge. Yes, because this deck is certainly challenging. And my cards are all over the place. All right. Ooh. Aw. Oh. I think you just sent me this card, actually.
0: <laughs> What'd you get?
1: Ten of Cups.
0: <laughs> oh, I did just send it to you. That's such a, can I talk about it? Cause I just wrote about it. Yes. Okay. And I'm going to let you think about mine so you can do it. So uh, I got reversed full. So think about Ooh. that. And I'll talk about Ten of Cups. Ten of Cups is such a great card. It's such a wonderfully challenging card because it says, look, you can have this happy, wonderful life. And I think it's challenging because people are like, mm, I don't really want to wish for that. Or mm, I don't know if that's for me. <laughs> yeah. And I love that it challenges us to be like, yeah, this too there's tower, there's the devil, there's all sorts of like 10 of swords. And there's 10 of cups. It's part of it, we can celebrate it.
1: So I'm going to talk about your card now. Yes, please. <laughs> You got the full reverse. So that's all about like, you know, kind of fear of the unknown and wondering, like, ooh, like, what will this lead me to? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where am mm-hmm. I gonna go? This is scary. Um, but I think it's also letting or giving you permission to do the scary thing yes and giving you permission to experience something that's essentially going to lead to more self-fulfillment self-awareness and ultimately self-acceptance
0: oh my god do the scary thing and start to learn how to love yourself which sounds like a very therapisty thing to say but i totally mean it
1: yes (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to The Tarot Diagnosis. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok under the handle at the Tarot Diagnosis, and join us while we pull daily cards and explore tarot and mental health in between podcast episodes. You can also subscribe to our podcast to make sure that you never miss an episode. If you have a topic or question that you'd like for us to explore on the podcast, you can contact us directly on our website, www.thetarotdiagnosis.com.